I'm Anna. And I'm Bethany and we're trying to review every Jane Austen adaptation ever. This is Austen Translation. So I'm a big Austen fan and I've read the books. I love a good period drama in general but I am a particular fan of Austen and her work. And this year I've set myself the challenge of trying to watch every Austen adaptation ever and I've managed to persuade Anna to come along for the ride. And I'm an Austen novice. I listened to the audiobook of Pride and Prejudice when I was a kid. I've seen the two main adaptations of that. I accidentally saw Emma because Parasite was booked out, but I was actually quite into it. So this episode is a two-part, and it's the second part of the previous episode. Part two of two. Uh, Yeah, so if you haven't listened to part one, go back, you idiots, and also listen to everything else. Go back! This hour, we'll be talking about episodes three and four of the 2009 Emma miniseries with Johnny Lee Miller, known from now on as JLM, and Ramala Gary. So we left you off where we finally see Emma feel a bit unsure about her relationship with Mr Knightley when it's suggested that he might have bought the wonderful Jane Fairfax a pianoforte. Yeah and it's it's more like in the subconscious realms because even now she's like in denial about it or like she doesn't really fully realise until much later on. Yeah definitely she hasn't said anything out loud but I think this is the first. This is the hint of it. Yeah where I think if you know the story From the beginning, you can see that Mr Knightley cares deeply for Emma in a way that's more than friendship. It could be brotherly. could be some brotherly affection. Well, I mean, maybe I'm doing that thing where I'm like... You're projecting. Or like men and women can't be friends, you know? Yes, you also had that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, that's more my subconscious. But I'm like, no, I'm going to stand by it. I think he clearly fancies her. Not fancy. I I think like because it because it's a story in which you know there's gonna be a love interest. It's gonna be one of the guys that turns up at some point in this novel. Like Mister Knightley is like fair fair game for like yeah this is a possibility and also he's nice to her so this is also a possibility. Like I mean it's being set up in that way. There's no denying that. Well, I think also though it's that kind of thing. They're each other's safety. If this was going to be a modern day thing where they don't think either of them are ever going to get married, so they never have to acknowledge these feelings they have for each other. And then it's only when other stuff starts to happen and new people come into the mix and there's the very idea that they might one day get married that they then have to acknowledge it. It's like, And you see people like that in real life. Yeah. Really close, and their friendship is definitely more, but they're in a position in their lives where neither of them has to admit it because at the moment nothing is going to change for the foreseeable future. Yeah. They could theoretically live out their days the way they do in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, if they never got together, this absolutely our friendship. Where I just come over and knock you down, put you in your place. Put you in my place. Like if you if you lived in London, that would be it. Because it's a Jane Austen novel, they are destined to get romantically involved. Did was it was it fated from the start of these two characters? Maybe, maybe not. Dunno. Write in, dear listener. Tell us what you think. As as one of episode three, it's a way I think of dealing with her insecurity. Emma just kind of starts teasing Mr Knightley about Jane. Yeah. And I think it's her way of trying to find out because for the first time she doesn't know how to do this. Yeah, because I think also she's like just is unsure. Like for once in her life she kind of feels unsure about someone else's feelings. Whereas she can be like, oh yeah, Mr Elton's definitely in love with Harriet. I've just decided this because I am a psychic. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm an empath and I just know that Mr Elton is in love with Harriet but Mr Knightley is a bit of a blind spot for her she's a bit like oh I actually don't know I'm not sure she's not sure so she's like I have to do some gentle investigation which isn't actually that gentle because he immediately picks up on it yeah and I think he knows that it's 
it bothers her so he definitely doesn't give he, he doesn't really say either way like it's I think it's quite clear that he doesn't like Jane Fairfax and that's just his way and he just thinks she's quite a nice person yeah well he's be, he's also being nice to her because she only like she, Emma's not friends with her she doesn't have anyone else really her own age to or at least at this point part in the story to be hanging out with so he's just being nice to her because she has to live with her aunt that just talks well I think Emma does like her but she she really doesn't she she literally the whole first half of the book she goes on about how much she hates Jane Fairfax yeah but that's until she meets her isn't it no because when because then you see her and Frank Churchill talking and they're like bitching about her all the time and being like, oh, she's so reserved. Emma being a gossipy gossip. I think in the adaptation, they don't really make that totally clear. Yeah. Because I was like, I get the impression she's not like worshipping Jane like everyone else is. But she doesn't have a dislike for her. She just is a bit callous about people. And she knows that she's above Jane. So she kind of gossips about it a little bit. Yeah. Frank is flirting with Emma at this point. Hardcore. Yeah. And I mean, if you know the story of Emma... And if you don't, we're going to spoil a bit for you, I think, to make it relevant. Frank is secretly engaged to Jane Fairfax. He's secretly engaged to Jane Fairfax. So Jane is saying absolutely nothing. Mr Knightley has guessed a little bit. Yeah, he's like, that's at the um, the ball? Or is it at... No, it's at the Box Hill, I think, or the Strawberry Gin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those ones. But um, yeah. So there's but there's other things like when she's playing the piano forte and Frank's leaning over her to turn the music. Yeah, and they're like doing duets, and then Frank's concerned about her health at one point because she sneezes. Yeah. So there's kind of little things, but I think to the viewer they're not obvious at all. No, because he's so hardcore flirting with with Emma that it's like a way to distract from the fact that he is also concerned about. Yeah, he's he's clearly trying to cover up the fact that he's engaged with Jane Fairfax because it's against his aunt's wishes. Like absolute zero subtlety. Jane's just not saying anything, but is clearly very like distressed by all of this. Jane kind of gets iller and iller or like whenever something bad happens between her and Frank she will become ill and really that is just the impact of having to hide this secret engagement and the fact that Frank is being such a dickhead. But they plan a ball don't they? They decide they're gonna have a ball in the village. Yes. And Frank and Emma are gonna organise it and Frank is like Properly. He's so into this idea of ball. He like starts yeah. dancing around the hall with her. Emma tells Mr. Knightley, and Mr. Knightley's like, woo. <laughs> Emma thinks she's right all the time, and then Mr. Knightley's just subtly right all of the time. <laughs> Isn't he? Though? I know. Like, so I was just like, he's literally like, I don't like Frank. And yeah. But I think part of the reason he doesn't like Frank as well is because he's flirting with Emma. Well, yeah, and that's that's made very clear in the book is that, like, because he then immediately, after Emma's like, uh, I'm actually not in love with Frank Churchill, then he's like, well, maybe he's an all right guy then. Maybe he's fine. <laughs> yeah, so also this is where Mr Knightley is letting his heart go over his head as well because he has an instant dislike to Frank, but it's just, it's for the wrong reasons. He definitely doesn't trust Frank. But it's mainly because he's flirting with Emma. Yeah, you see him watching Frank and Emma, or he makes little comments to Emma about her and Frank and saying, uh, uh, I remember he says at one point, like, oh, yeah, no, I barely see you anymore because you're always out with the prodigal son. Yeah, he's making these sarky remarks about him constantly. Um, and something happens with the ball. Like Frank Churchill has to leave because his aunt gets ill. She calls him back and so the ball can't go ahead. Everyone's sad about it. He's really sad about it. Ridiculously upset about this. Emma's like, you'll come back at some point. It'll be fine. He's like, I don't know when I'll be able to come back. And he's he's like, says something to her. Yeah, he sort of says something along the point of, oh, since you know everything, you must have guessed. And Emma's like, oh, is he going to propose to me? And then he doesn't and he leaves. And then Emma's like, Oh, I feel like weirdly sad and melancholy. Is this must mean that I'm in love with Frank Churchill? Well, also because Frank thinks that Emma knows about him and Jane, so that's why he's saying all of it. 
all of this stuff, Frank flirting with Emma and stuff, is because he, stupidly, having not communicated with her at all, assumes that she's just guessed that him and Dana secretly engaged. So he, I think at this point, doesn't think he's leading Emma on. Also, Emma's not sure if she's in love with him. Like, that much is clear. Yeah. She's just literally, like, she talks to the camera a lot. And she's just like, am I in love with him? Am I not? Also, at this point, we meet Mrs. Elton. Miss, Mr. Elton has got married. Miss Bates accidentally reveals that Mr. Elton's got engaged. Harriet's very upset about this. Emma, like, goes to Harriet and is, like, trying to comfort her. And in doing so, is like, can't you just be less upset for me? Because it makes me feel bad that you feel upset. <laughs> and also it doesn't help that Mrs Elton is just extremely horrible she kind of sees them as country bumpkins doesn't she yeah she's like oh you've never been outside like yeah you just don't know and oh I can introduce you to people in Bath you should go and visit Bath she kind of is also fully poking at the fact that they're this super insular society and she's totally hit the nail on the head yeah yes Emma's back up a bit but Mrs Elton is being horrible about it but she's also like Philly pointing out that they only are popular within this society yeah she also calls Mr Elton Mr E and then she calls Mr Knightley Knightley which Emma absolutely is enraged at and she goes on one of her classic Emma ramps and I want to point out at this point I think Ramala Gary is one of the best Emma's I've ever watched and I've seen about four adaptations of Emma it is really a really good casting choice like Johnny Lee Miller is obviously great as Mr Knightley and I mean the whole cast is quite great but I mean they are all white like the whole there is just the whole thing is white and they whiteness abounds and it was made in 2009 so they really don't have any excuse no but I have to say that they do a good job but they could have still diversified it easily. They got the chemistry right in this adaptation. Yeah. This chemistry between all of the cast and all of the characters. Yeah. But um, Frank comes back, so the ball is going ahead. And this is this is a big part, I think, in lots of relationship dynamics. Because... Frank and Emma are dancing crazy and this is where Mr Knightley is getting a little grump face on in the corner because he's like clearly a bit jealous of Frank and Emma. Frank and Emma open the ball. So Emma and Frank were supposed to open it but then Mrs Elton decides that she needs to and so Mr Weston has to dance with Mrs Elton and they open the ball. Oh well yeah because at this point Mrs Weston is pregnant. Yes. Which isn't a huge part of the plot. So this is when Mr Knightley has a little grunt face on in the corner. Looking so sad. And he he doesn't dance, that's his thing. He's like, I do not dance. Mr Elton wants to carry on dancing, but Mrs Elton is basically like, I can't dance well constantly, so you have to ask someone else. Yeah, and she's she also like makes it into a little jab about Emma because Emma's just like right at the front. She's like, I wouldn't throw myself out in front of everyone like some people do. And then it's just the shot of Emma like head back laughing, dancing in the middle, like frolicking. Yeah. <laughs> Living it. Center of attention. So he asks Mrs. Weston to dance and she she won't dance. And then he asks Mrs. Goddard. And then they're like, ask Harriet. Harriet's like the only girl that hasn't been asked to dance. She's like sitting like a little lemon. And he asks Mrs. Goddard. And Mrs. Goddard's like, no, you should ask Harriet. And he's just like, oh, I'm an old married man now. My dancing days are over. Yeah, and Harriet knows this has gone on. Like she's blocked what's going on and she's like visibly upset and Emma is like fuming because she's in the middle of dancing but she's seen what's happened yeah kind of although like Emma can be at times quite selfish she's also quite protective Mm. and Mr Knightley also sees and is angry so he sees what Mr Owen has done and although he's claimed he does not dance he's like I cannot leave Harriet crying like she's there's tears in her eyes he's like I cannot leave Harriet crying on the edge of the ballroom so he kind of goes over and he's like come on we'll dance together 
it would be great. Um, Emma sees and she's like absolutely delighted. She loves it. We love to see it. After that, Mr. Knightley has exposed that he can dance, so Emma is not going to let it go. And we get a beautiful sexually charged dancing scene, which I think rivals that of Pride and Prejudice 2005. Mm. it's very no but I was saying like from my recollection and I did only see this once the 2021 is more sexually charged I mean it might be and we'll get to that when we watch it but I thought the best dancing scene was Pride and Prejudice 2005 and then I re-watched this one and I was like this one does have a nice balance of like cute it starts off kind of fun and cute and friendly and then it moves into a slightly more sexually charged area and then it's like mm. subtly so it's still like super romantic yeah I think Pride and Prejudice is just quite horny <laughs> <laughs> well like this one it's very romantic and you can kind of see that they're realizing that they fancy each other yeah and the baby's falling in love so after the after this ball that's when emma realizes that she isn't in love with frank yeah well she because she sees frank again like because frank goes away and then he comes back and she's like i wonder if he's still in love with me and then she sees him and he's like hey bye and goes off and she's like okay he's not but i don't really mind She's feeling a bit, little bit lost at this point, isn't she? Because all she's kind of match made everyone. She doesn't have any plans. All of her like good friends are kind of busy. Yeah, she's kind of like, oh, I'm a bit of a spare. Yeah, she needs a project. She yeah. needs a project. Like, and also this is when she makes a very like. She's like, is it weird that I didn't go and see my nieces and nephews being born? And Mr. Knightley's like, well, I did. And she's like, I know. Like, <laughs> I don't know why he said that either. Because I was like, that is the point that she was making. <laughs> it's weird that you went and she didn't. He couldn't help himself. He was just like, well, I did. <laughs> he said, I got you a present. And then there's a bookmark in it. And she opens it, and it's a picture of Box Hill. And she's just like, oh, maybe, like, and he's just like, you know, it, it's in the same county, so it's feasible they could go. But he, he's kind of encouraging her to travel a bit more. Yeah, to go outside of her little bubble. And then also, at this point, Emma asks Mr Knightley, he's playing with his little doggy outside, he's loving his little puppy dog. And then Emma asks him if, well, he's, she says something about how much he admires Jane Fairfax or something. And, and he's like, yeah, everyone knows how much I like Jane Fairfax. She's like, yeah, but maybe you don't realise just how much you like Jane Fairfax. And he's like, oh, you're onto this now, are you? And he's like, Mr. Cole already suggested this to me. It's not the case. I don't fancy Jane Fairfax. She's a bit too reserved for me. I prefer someone with an open temperament. Around this time is when Mr. Knightley brings up the fact that he thinks Frank and Jane have a thing. And Emma's like, they definitely don't. They definitely don't. I can vouch for that. That's when the game happens, right? With the um so they're they're like hanging out, um, I think this is before they go strawberry picking because so Box Hill can't happen. It has to wait because of something to do with carriages. Yeah, there was carriage issues. But anyway, so they're they're like, okay, well we'll go to we'll go strawberry picking at Donwell, right? Which is Mr. Knightley's seat. They were going on a walk and Frank's like, Oh, do you remember that children's letter game that we got out before? We should use that because he's like clearly Jane is upset with him. He's trying to communicate with Jane. And so they're basically making anagrams and they'll like make an anagram and they'll pass it to someone else to solve. And Harriet asks Mr. Knightley for help with one, which is kind of a hint that she she quite likes him. And then Frank is kind of giggling away with Emma passes an anagram to Jane that says blundered and then another one that says Dixon. Dixon is the name of the guy that they keep suggesting that she has a thing with that is engaged to her friend and so Jane is like immediately very upset and basically like wants to go she tries to leave yeah I think she does I think she just gets up and, and so does Mr and Mrs Elton at the same time yeah because Mrs Elton, Elton pounces and whenever Emma fucks up socially Mrs Elton is there and then yeah this is when they kind of have another row-ish between Mr Knightley and Emma because they're arguing about whether Frank and Jane are engaged yeah because Mr Knightley's like do you understand the relationship between those two people that you were having that fun little joke with 
And Emma's like, yeah, I do. There's nothing going on. And he's like, well, I think there is. And she's like, yeah. Yeah, so this is like another thing where she's just got it totally wrong. For sure. And then we get on to the final episode. And then it starts off with the Box Hill excursion, which, oh my God, it's just a car crash from start to finish, isn't it? Like, Jane turns up. She's not well. She just doesn't want to go. She then basically tells Emma that she's tired with life. And she's exhausted and she just wants to go home. (laughs) And then so we kind of start episode four with the Box Hill and Jane kind of talking about her depression, really. And she's like, Emma, just let me go home and don't tell anyone until I've gone. Because Emma's concerned. Like, she, like, which is why... Jane is a woman on the edge. She's, like, clearly very distressed. Yeah, and, like, Emma doesn't... In this adaptation, they haven't really made Emma hate Jane. So she's very much like, oh, my God, like, what's like, what can I do? And Mr Knightley then comes in and is like, why don't you make it stay? It's too hot for her to walk home. And she's just like, oh, my God, I tried. <laughs> like, he does kind of jump on her immediately. And she's just like, I tried, okay, I tried, but she wouldn't listen. Then he makes a comment about how he was like, I was just thinking you look very at home. Maybe I should make you mistress of this house as well. And I was like, he literally just implied that they should get married. Are we just not going to, we're not going to talk yeah, about this? Yeah, that was like, Emma just kind of ignores it. Yeah, and then um, Frank turns up and Frank is in a mood. And he is know, in a Mardi. I really hate, this is again, men are trash. <laughs> I really hate men who, when they're in a bad mood, <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna clip out you saying I really hate men. I mean, it's not wrong, but it's. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna put it out there. It's primarily a man thing. This when they come in and they're in a bad mood and they just completely bring the vibe down. Yeah. Of whoever they're with, because their emotions are the most important thing, and they're in a pissy mood, so they're just gonna piss. And kind of just be, he's a dick. Like, so he's hes seen that, that Jane has left, which has put him into a bad mood, I think. They're going to come and piss on the bonfire. Literally. And hes and it's hot. Like, that's a big thing. So everyone is hot and sweaty and irritable. He just keeps being like, oh, I hate this heat. I hate it so much. And everyone's like, yeah, we're all so hot. We're in the same heat. Can't wait to leave this country. Like, he's pissed off with his aunt. He's pissed off because Jane isn't talking to him. And it's really hot. So he's in a bad, bad mood. And Mr. Niley's like, no one made you come. Like, nobody asked, like, no one forced you to come. If you don't want to be here, you can go. And then he just kind of walks off. And then at this point, he's really rude to Emma, which I'm surprised she kind of lets it go. Yeah, she's just like, uh, okay, what's wrong with you? She doesn't take it personally. But she's definitely a bit like, ooh, what's that <laughs> That is also my favourite thing to do when people are kind of putting out their anger on other people. I am that dickhead who's like, ooh. <laughs> and then she takes him inside. She's just like, you need to just go inside and call off then, like, if you're this irritable. He keeps mentioning about how he's going to leave England as soon as he can. And he's sick of this country and he just keeps mentioning it. And it he, yeah, like, he. He talks about how like Emma's like basically like calls him out on his privilege because he's so grumpy and she's like oh poor you like living in a lovely house being like you know admired by everyone and and he's like I don't consider myself to be a fortunate person I'm thwarted at every turn and Emma's like just privileged little white man he does then kind of be like oh you put me in a better mood though he then does yeah he then turns it around so they then go out to the picnic that they're going to have in box hill and it is i mean this was the the start of a, a car crash journey oh god like he stopped being an ass to emma but he's still in the mood he's just being really chaotic yeah and it's clearly because something's happened with Jane. Mm. So to, just to give set the scene of who's here, we've got Mr. and Mrs. Elton. We've got Miss Bates and Mr. Weston and then Harriet as well. And obviously Mr. Knightley. And so they kind of go on this picnic and Frank and Emma are kind of just making fun of people. They're sort of flirting and then no one else mm. is saying anything. And 
then it's like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Like, Frank is just, like, saying, oh, what should we do to make them talk or whatever, or, like, to to amuse ourselves and Emma's like well no one else is talking so literally everyone can hear what you're saying and Frank's like oh Miss Woodhouse commands me to ask you what all of you are thinking and then they're all like uh and then Miss Bates starts chatting shit just being like well I'm thinking about the clouds and the man and how hot it is and how we're gonna and then he's like okay I changed my mind oh Miss Woodhouse commands that you either say one interesting thing two sort of interesting things or three boring things and then Miss Bates is like oh well I'll be fine for that I barely opened my mouth and I will have said three uninteresting things and then Emma's like oh but the the difficulty is that you'll only there's a limit to three and you're gonna have a problem with that god it is so painful to watch isn't it because you're just (sighs) like and Mr Knightley has kind of cut in several times before this where he's just like Emma so he's definitely cross like he's cross with her he's angry and then like the whole of the social circle kind of goes quiet after she says this and then Western like it's almost like he's totally oblivious but thinking about it he might just be trying he was just trying to sail on through he was trying to get past it bless him and he does this riddle where he's like the best things the best the the most perfect letters in the alphabet m and a for emma yeah and she's just like oh and then after that, Mr. Knight, he's like, I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> I am done. But like, he's truly like, yeah. he's like, I am sick of you and this shit. He doesn't like Frank. He's clearly a bit jealous of their relationship. Well, because Frank is literally lying on Emma's lap. Miss Bates is very teary eyed and very upset and is like, oh, God. Yeah, that's not- they do dramatic crying quite well in this because like, you see real tears from Miss Bates. And you are a bit heartbroken for her. Yeah, like she's quite likable in this one. In the in the twenty twenty one, she's more annoying. In this one, like she is annoying, but she's also like very. She's just very kind and harmless, and she's just trying her best. So yeah, Mister Knightley's like, right, this is. I'm I'm off. I'm sick of this shit. And then Mrs. Elton immediately jumps on this because she knows Emma's fucked up, and she's like, oh, we should go as well. And Miss Bates is like, yeah, like, she doesn't want to be around Emma. So she's like, I'll go for a walk. And Mr. Weston's like, I'm not being left alone. So, yeah. <laughs> so they all kind of go off and leave. And then Frank is like, he's still stroppy. He's not pulling back. He's digging further and further into this hole. And then Emma's like, well, I'm still going to go enjoy myself. So I'm going to go. Like, this is the furthest Emma's ever been away from home. So she's just like, I'm still going to go for a walk and enjoy myself. And Mr. Knightley comes back because he just can't leave it. He cannot allow this to go. And this is one of the most iconic scenes, I think, from this miniseries. Because he comes down and he's just like, I'm just going to say, like, what you did was twatty. Because she's like, oh, this face is annoying. And he's like, yeah, but she's also poor. And like, (laughs) that's what he was yeah he's literally like yeah but she's poor you can't be mean to poor people literally he's just like look you have a lot of privilege over her so you can't make fun of her because she's poor okay and maybe if she was rich like you i'll let you do it but she's poor she's poor that's, that's his main thing it's like but like it is justified i mean he's like very yeah and then emma's kind of like getting upset and she's like got tears in her eyes and um but she doesn't say anything obviously because she can't admit she's wrong and um, he's like, it's badly done, Emma. Badly done! And it's one of the most iconic lines. Whenever I think of this adaptation, I do think of Johnny Lee Miller going, badly done, Emma, badly done. And he says it again before he leaves. So passionately. And she's just like, oh, like, you can tell that she knows she's fucked she's up. She's like, oh, shit. But she doesn't want to admit it. And then they all kind of just go home. She's, like, crying. She's, like, really upset that he thinks badly of her and that she knows she's done. She's she's made a boo-boo. Yeah. And when she comes home, her dad's like, will you be going again? And, like, Emma, between, like, choked sobs. And Mr. Mr. Woodhouse just does not even pick up on it, even a little bit. He's just like, 
oh, okay, that's nice. And she's like, I don't think we'll be going again, Father. <laughs> and then, I think at the end, he does kind of like, she's in the hall and he's in another room, so they're kind of calling to each other. He, at the end, he does kind of peer around a bit, a bit concerned. And then the next day, she's like, I've got to go see Miss Bates. And she doesn't apologise. She No, she goes, it's Emma the Apology Tour, okay, in <laughs> which she does not apologise. But... <laughs> That, like, but then I was thinking about that and I'm like, is that because actually she couldn't bring herself to apologise or was it because she didn't actually want to further embarrass Miss Bates by bringing it up again? Because like, and I, I'm not, I'm not sure which of the two it is. I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I, I think she knew what she'd done was wrong and she didn't want Miss Bates to feel any more uncomfortable because Miss Bates was clearly willing to ignore it so she just kind of was like just so you know miss bates we all really love you and we all really like you yeah like we need we will support you like whatever happens to jane because we also find out that jane has accepted a place the place that mrs elton has found for her with a like friend of her sister or something it's like a good governor's position anyway and jane's like Obviously, she's sort of given up on... Basically, she's had enough of Frank. She's had enough and she decides to accept the governess position, but she's clearly still heartbroken about it. Yeah, I mean, she's really ill. And, like, so when Emma goes on the apology tour to see Ms Bates, uh, they're all kind of, like, scuffling. And you hear Ms Bates say, oh, I'll just say that you can't bear to be there. And um, Jane just isn't there. She's lying in bed because she's so ill. But actually, she's just really upset about Frank. And also, at this point, Mr Knightley decides he's going to go visit his brother for a bit in London. Because I think he's it's heavily implied that he just can't be around Emma at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like, so on, like, when, when her and Frank were flirting, like, he's literally, like, lying on her lap and stuff. And she looks really, like, smitten with him, I guess. And he's just like, I've lost Emma. So he just kind of goes to London, but Emma doesn't quite understand why. And she's just like, she doesn't like it. Like Things are falling apart around her. Yeah, well, she wants she wants Mr Knightley to forgive her because she knows she's, he, he's disappointed in her. And so, uh, like, she sees him, like, when she gets home from the Bateses and her father says, like, oh, what happened? How were the Bateses? And she sort of said oh, yeah, they're good, and I just, you know, told them that they need to come for dinner soon. And um, and then Mr Knightley sort of smiles at her, and he sort of looks like, you know, he's he's kind of forgiven her. And he, he's like, all right, I'm going off to London now. I'll probably be there a while. Um, and he, like, goes to kiss her hand, and then he's like, mm, no. What is it? Does he come back, or is it while he's in London that we hear about Frank's aunt? Um, no, it's while they're in London because you see, you see, because uh, every now and again you see uh, that you cut to Isabella and Mr. John Knightley's house, and they'll just be talking about something in the drawing room. Isabella opens a letter and is like, "Mrs. Churchill's dead," and everyone's like, "Yay!" Oh no, that's so sad. Oh dear. The reactions of of people because like then they show Mr. Well Weston and they're like it's very sad indeed but Frank's free <laughs> they're all just trying to like be sad but they're really not sad. Yeah. And then Mr. John Knightley's like everyone hated her until this very moment when she died and now everyone's trying to pretend like they're sad she's dead. Let's stop pretending. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I think when Isabella is like, oh my God, Mrs. Churchill's died, I think John's like Thank God. <laughs> and then we're all like, what? <laughs> and it's just like, well, are we not happy? <laughs> and um, it's just one of those things where he just says what everyone's thinking and he's just like, I'm not going to pretend that we like this woman because she was controlling Frank. And then Isabella's like, oh, it's very interesting because Isabella thinks that Frank is going to propose to Emma. And she says this and you can kind of see Mr. Knightley just being like, hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I'm not sure about that. If people want to get married, they'll get married. Like, there's no point in trying to match make people. Yeah, he's just like, whatever happens will happen. And then shortly after we find out that his aunt has died, that's obviously meant he's free to marry Jane Fairfax. 
So he goes and gets her. He's just like, yeah, let's do this thing still. They're like jumping around in the town square and like Jane's really happy for the first time. She's actually like kind of talking animatedly and stuff. Like she's totally a changed woman. And also like just wanted to mention this scene where Emma's like sitting. Mr. Knightley's not there. Emma's sitting in the drawing room looking at his chair that he usually sits in. She's like, I think we should re-upholster this chair that Mr. Knightley usually sits in. And her dad's like, why? And she's like, well, he's just always been there and I never actually looked at it before and I just think it needs to be re-upholstered. And it's like, symbolism. Yeah, she's trying to she's trying to forget about him. Well, she either that or she's like, yeah, she, she needs something to, like, she's a project. Also, at some point during this, Harriet tells Emma that she's in love with Mr. Knightley. Yeah, because there's a whole miscommunication between them. Because, oh, we missed the bit about Harriet and the travellers. So, that yeah, they had a miscommunication with, where Harriet was like, I'm in love with someone. And Emma's like, we don't need to talk about it because she thinks it's Frank Churchill. Because Frank Churchill saved Harriet from some... They call them, well, they don't call them this, but they're, they're described as travellers who attacked Harriet and he carried her home in a very heroic way. So Emma thinks that Harriet fancies Frank. And then um, Harriet's like, she, she basically says it like, oh, yeah, he's just so superior to everyone else in the world. And then, like, Emma looks out the window and Frank Churchill is there. So she's, like, assumes that Harriet is in love with him because this has just happened. But then they talk again. Everyone thinks Emma's going to be butthurt because Frank is now getting married to Jane. So Harriet comes over and they talk and they're like, and then Emma's like, oh, I'm really sorry for you, Harriet. And Harriet's like, why are you sorry for me? I'm really sorry for you. We, I thought you were going to get engaged to Frank. She was like, I thought you were in love with Frank. She was like, what? I'm not in love with Frank. I'm in love with the greatest man ever, which is clearly Mr. Knightley, which I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> and yep. then Emma is just like, what? <laughs> and um, it's fully, absolutely, she shook. She suddenly she like shook to her core. Because also Harriet is like, why would he dance with me? Why would he say all these nice things if he didn't love me? And Emma's like... Well, yeah, because at first Harriet's like, I didn't even presume to think that it was ever possible. But because you had been like... Because when, when they were talking about this mystery man that Harriet liked, Emma was like, right, okay, you need to be careful. Look at how he acts towards you. And then, you know, you need to take it from there. You can't just assume that he likes you. But also, stranger things have happened than like an unequal match. Uh, so she's imagining Frank Churchill, but she Harriet is actually thinking about Mr. Knightley. And then Harriet's like, yeah, well, I did what you said, like, and he's been, like, taking interest in me, which he had, like, because I remember Mr. Knightley had been saying to Emma, yeah, like, I, I've been talking to Harriet, like, and actually you did a really good job, and, like, she's, she's you know, y- your project has been successful, essentially. Yeah, and then Emma's a bit like, Mr. Knightley wouldn't lead anyone on. So if Harriet genuinely believes there's been signs, then there must have been signs. Yeah. So she's just like, oh, God. And it's at this moment the penny drops in her head and she realises that she loves Mr. Knightley. And she's just like, oh, my God, what have I done? And she's just like, she's truly spiralling. She's just absolutely, like, she literally at one minute, like, turns in circles <laughs> and she's just like and then she's just like bye bye Harriet you off you go yeah and we then, you need to go away I think she literally told Harriet to go away she said you should stop talking and go I put this in my notes and then and then Harriet goes <laughs> and Emma says to herself I wish to god I had never met her like Jesus I know she was a bit dramatic Emma is a dramatic bitch so so she's in the garden and she's like doing gardening bits in her fancy garden and Mr Knightley's looking for her and she hides behind this tree which is very bizarre and then it doesn't work obviously he sees her and he's like I've got this bit honestly drags out so much so she thinks he's going to tell her that he's in love with Harriet he thinks she's gathered that he's going to tell her she's in love with her so yeah she's just like don't tell me anything that 
you can't unsay because she thinks he's going to tell her that he's in love with Harriet. But he's going to tell her that he's in love with her. So he's like, oh, my God, I've misread this. Like, yeah, he's like sad, sad Mr. Knightley. And he like sort of turns away and he's like, OK, I will obey you. And then and then she like runs after him and she's kind of like in tears and she's like, No, we're we are old friends. You should tell me whatever you want to tell me and I'll tell you what you think what I think. Sorry. Um and then he's like, Well, I do want to know what you think, so w- w- just tell me Am am I doomed to failure or something along those lines? He's like, Will I ever have a chance? And then he says something along the lines of like, My dearest Emma, because you always have been and always will be my dearest Emma or something along the lines and she sort of starts to understand that he's talking about her and then they're crying and they're kissing and it's beautiful (laughs) although it is a weird kiss because she properly kind of like they're crying as they talk about how much they love each other and then he says that beautiful line where he's like if I loved you less I could talk about it more and they kiss but it's a weird kiss because Emma goes in and JLM's arms are just down by his side <laughs> they just he doesn't move them for the first five or ten seconds of the kiss she just sort of holds his face for a bit and he's like what is going on yeah like he just stands there a bit like a lemon while she kisses his face with his arms down by his side and then he kind of lifts one arm up also he seems to be in riding boots because he's come on a horse of course he's come on a horse he always comes on a horse it cuts to which is clearly a different day because emma's in a different dress emma's storms in she's like crying hysterically and she's like you know I love you but I can't marry you I can't leave him and then she just leaves and storms back (laughs) and I was like oh my god we love a dramatic bitch she's so dramatic and then Mr Niley's like no 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 I've been thinking about this I've been thinking about this there's no reason that I can't live here at Hartfield I wanted to say, sorry, like this is so past now, but I feel like it's a really interesting point is when when Harriet is telling Emma about how she loves Mr. Knightley, they are basically wearing the same thing, but like slightly different version. And I think it's just this scene. And essentially, it's just this thing where like, I think, I think it's where Harriet is trying to like become Emma in some way or like Emma's kind of made her into her mini me but now she's fully kind of trying to be in the place that Emma wants to be yeah right star signs star signs star signs we've talked about Emma quite a lot and about how she's a Virgo Leo whatever no she's a she's a Libra sun Virgo rising IMO (laughs) because I'm a Virgo sun Libra rising think she's got the both the combination of the air sign energy and the earth sign energy where she is like very steadfast in her opinions she doesn't mind like sameness because if she's happy in her situation that's where the virgo comes in the libra is the fact that she's very charming she has a sense of justice where she genuinely does want to do good for people. And she has a sense of fairness as well. And she wants things to be balanced. I mean, I don't think this is necessarily the the most positive trait, but she like talks about constantly how certain like people of certain standing should only be with other people of certain standing. There's a sense of like everything needs to be balanced. It needs to be in its right place. Mr. Knightley. I think we agree that he is a Taurus because he is very grounded. He's very likeable. He also has his little routines that he likes to do. He's a bit of a homebody. He's not that interested in like traveling all over the world. Yeah, so he he's kind of that grounding influence on Emma. So I think he's a Taurus. I mean, I don't know if you've done John Knightley, but I'd be interested to know. 
And I think he's a slept on character. I love him. Yeah, I think I think he's possibly a I don't know if this is too stereotypical, but he feels like a Capricorn to me. <laughs> a kind of cutthroat. <laughs> well he's yeah, he just doesn't take any nonsense. And he's just like, yeah, he doesn't have very much time for it. He's, I'm here to get shit done and I'm not interested in your silliness. He also just enjoys bad weather, which I think is funny. (laughs) Obviously Harriet, maybe. Yeah, Harriet. Harriet, I think, is a Libra, which I've already said, because she just literally will try and make Emma make her decisions for her. And she's constantly flip-flopping about between people that she's in love with. I'm trying to think of Frank. Yeah, let's do Frank. I mean, Frank's an Aries. Yeah, we did say that, and I do really see it. He's got an edge to him. He's yeah. He he's he just like charges in without thinking very much about the consequences. Yeah. Um. Who else do you think? Mr. Woodhouse. Ooh, what's Mr. Woodhouse? I think Mr. Woodhouse might also be a Taurus. He could. I was thinking he might be a Virgo because, like, Virgos can get very anxious and overthinky about stuff and, like, think of every possible thing that could go wrong. Although he's also very dependent, though, isn't he? Yeah, he's very much, like, about sameness. He needs to have everything be the same, and that's, like, a huge part of his character, which is why I think maybe he's a Taurus, but... Um, Miss Bates. Oh, Miss Bates is a Gemini. <laughs> Love how you were so much sure of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I I knew it, and that's because I mean, like, and the thing is, these are very caricaturic, and that's the way that Jane's characters go anyway. But like, these are these these characters are caricatures, and therefore I'm kind of going by caricatures of of star signs. Gemini is very much about communication. It's about like just constantly like switching between things. It's about like duality and like conflicting things existing at the same time. And Miss Bates is very much that. Yeah. Mr. Weston is Sagittarius. Really? Yep. Because he's the life and soul of the party. He's just like happy go lucky. Sometimes doesn't really think about what he's saying before he says it. He's just in it for the fun. And I think Miss Miss Mrs. Weston or Miss Taylor, I think she's a cancer because she's just very caring. She's very loyal and kind of protective of Emma. So we forgot to rate it again. <laughs> <laughs> it also took us longer to realise. It was like a day later. <laughs> anyway. So what do you think you're gonna rate it? I was thinking about this and I'm I'm going to give it, and I know this is unusual for me, but I'm going to give it a nine. Oh, yes. I was going to give it a nine as well. Although well, I, I knew I knew you were going to give it a nine, and I was thinking 8.5, right? And then I was like, what do I do? I have, am I just intentionally, I'm just doing the thing that I always do, which is I'm intentionally lowballing it because I'm waiting for the perfect adaptation. But I'm like, what if this is it? Yeah. What if? Like, I can't justify knocking it down. Like, there's not that, there's not very much that I could complain about apart from obviously the lack of diversity. Yeah. It's just, I can't find anything wrong with it in terms of an adaptation. Like, it looked good as well. I don't remember that much from when I first watched it. Like, I don't remember thinking, oh, this is a really beautiful adaptation. It wasn't too, like, modernised in order to make it aesthetically pleasing. Like, the costumes and stuff were still very kind of authentic looking, at least to me. Yeah, that's what I thought also. So with the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which is kind of in the Austin fandom, so to speak, is like the iconic adaptation of all adaptations, but perhaps maybe rivaled with the Emma 2020. I think... It had. So when you get these movie ones, there's something almost Hollywood about them. Yeah. And this didn't have that Hollywood thing. And that's... No. I don't know if that's just me being a snob because it's... No, but like, yeah, no, I know what you mean because I think the 2005 Pride and Prejudice is very sleek. You can tell that it's extremely high budget. And actually, like, I feel like a lot of the budget was spent on making it look really nice. Yeah. Which is... I'm not complaining about that. But I think with this, you could tell that, like, they had really invested in making the story, you know, 
work that they'd gotten some really great actors mm-hmm. um that that there was as much effort put into the the storyline and and you know the adaptation of it as there was in making it look nice and making it look fancy yeah and i think it's earlier on we said that she lives this kind of charmed life and you really do like when you watch it it's it's charming if that makes sense like everything is lovely and you do kind of want to live emma's life yeah yeah and also i mean we must mention jlm because jlm (laughs) just brought it you know yeah so it was funny as well i thought it was funny and emma is a comedy i think emma is a comedy over it being a romance because the whole comedy is her matchmaking and it and it kind of going wrong yeah like her Ramal Gary and, and Johnny Lee Miller had really good chemistry in like the banter that they had between them which is like the key thing with Misty Knightley and Emma is that like even when you're looking and they're arguing their facial expressions towards one another I mean Johnny Lee Miller's facial expressions are just like peak yeah, you know, and one incredible. thing I'll point out is with Austin adapt- adaptations, the chemistry is so important. And I think the only other nine I've given is Bride and Prejudice. And I don't think the two, I don't think... They're not comparable. Lalita and um, Will Darcy didn't have the same chemistry. They didn't. And that was one thing that lacked. And it, I, I think it was more Will Darcy's fault than Lalita. She, she was yeah. So it was that thing of... These these stories, like Jane Austen, overall is a romance writer. So if you're adapt, adapting things, you need to make sure that the two main love interests have strong chemistry. Otherwise, the whole thing will fall apart. Yeah. You need to have a kind of little butterflies in the tummy moment, right? I mean, and like having just just uh, listened to the audiobook of it. it, it felt very true to the kind of character. Yeah, and I think sometimes when you try and stay true, it can sometimes go the wrong way because it feels robotic and like you're just replicating something from a page. Because when Jane Austen wrote it, obviously she never imagined anything like what we're watching. So it really isn't written for the screen. Yeah. That's all from us for now. We'll be back next Thursday reviewing the 2020 Pride and Prejudice, a new musical. Please don't forget to review it five stars if your app allows and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch, please email us at austintranslationpod at gmail.com or austin underscore translation underscore pod on Instagram. We bid you adieu.